Let us pray. God, we thank you for this night. As your people, as we've gathered here as a community of faith. And Lord, as we continue this journey with you, this Lenten and Holy Week journey with you, may you open our hearts, our minds, and our lives anew. Speak to us that which we need to hear. Take my words, Lord, and make them yours. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We have gathered here tonight on this Good Friday as in many ways a united community of faith, multiple churches, members of the community, guests, friends, and family to reflect on and to embrace this day we call Good Friday. It's a name that we all must admit has some irony to it. And of course, if we're honest with ourselves, we know that in this difficult and sad day, we can call it good because of what's coming. We can call it good because of what is accomplished. Yet, we also know that it's a painful day. As we remember and reflect on what has happened, as we heard in the gospel lesson, even as we heard prophesied in the psalm, we know that it is a sad and painful day. And it's that tension that we live in. As one of my professors, mentors, and friends, uh, Tony Campolo, always used to say, it's Friday, but we know that Sunday is coming. And so we live in that tension, but we must live in that tension because we must live in Friday. I love the season of Lent, but truth be told, it can be a little dark. Uh, in, in Lutheranism, we call that dirgy. It can, it can be a little difficult, a, a little tough to walk through. But it's essential for us to walk through. And the truth is that suffering, that difficulty, isn't really a stranger to our lives. We've all endured, perhaps, or even enduring in this moment, some level of challenge of suffering. And when we think about what Jesus endured for us, what Jesus endured for our sins, what Jesus did out of choice, what Jesus did out of love, it seems simple, fitting, and appropriate that we must walk through this difficult day. One of perhaps the most helpful things that Martin Luther ever said was that everything is hidden and revealed in the shadow of the cross. That in the cross and in its shadow, everything that we need to know about God, about our identity, about life, about what it means to follow Jesus, it's all there. And yet, the deep mysteries of faith, the deep tension and mystery of what it was that Jesus experienced, the things about God that we can't fully wrap our heads around, that we can't fully figure out, those things are found in the cross as well. In the cross, ultimately, we see the depth of God's love. Pure and simple, 
That is it. In the cross, we see the depth of God's love for us and for the world. But also in the cross, we see our sin, the power of sin. We see the influence of short-sighted religious people. We see the influence of corrupt government. We see the brokenness of the world. We see, perhaps, this challenge that God faced. These creatures that I created out of love who have rejected me. What do I do? In the cross we see the righteousness, the grace, and the justice of our God. All on this Friday. This dark and painful Friday. I don't know about you. I don't love darkness. I don't rejoice in pain and suffering, though the Bible calls us to that. I don't wake up, you know, with a sore back or some difficult relational problem and and say, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. Sometimes I get there. Takes me a little while. And we've all had our darkness. We've all had our difficulty. We've all had our suffering. And and the, the powerful irony of Good Friday is it's in Good Friday we recognize that Jesus understands that. That Jesus, too, in this day, in this last week, and even in his life, experienced suffering, experienced pain, experienced darkness. And so we know we're not alone, and we hang on to the reality that perhaps things are darkest before the dawn, that we know that rainbows don't really happen without a storm. And to be honest with you, Easter is nothing. It is no story at all without Friday. Easter would be a delightful celebration, but not much of one without Friday. And the truth is, we're an Easter people, and we love to be an Easter people. But the reality of life, the reality of the story of God, is that we're a Friday people as well. And so we take this day to stop and to remember that. We all have our stories of darkness. We all have our stories of challenge, of suffering, of isolation. And the beautiful story of the church of Jesus Christ. And I'm talking the whole church of Jesus Christ. Not just our individual churches. The great story is that we are not alone. That this is one of the greatest purposes of the church, the community of God. That in those dark moments, we are not alone. And in Good Friday, we recognize that in those moments of darkness, we are not alone. And the truth is, we know, and I know cognitively, that Jesus was never alone, that the Father was always with him, even in these most painful moments, in the garden, in the journey on the, on the Via Rosa, the road of Christ, the way of Christ, on the cross, we know that the Father was with him. But I'll tell you, uh, to be honest, this story has been transformed for me recently, perhaps more than any other story in the scripture. And it happened 
a day in October. It was my first full day in Israel, and we were in Jerusalem. And the first thing we did was we went to see the oversight, one of the overlooks of the city of Jerusalem. This beautiful old city where much of this week's worth of stories that we've been living in happened in this two to five square mile radius. And you overlook that. And I was overwhelmed with it because as much as I've preached it, as much as I've read it, as much as I've studied it, it was another thing to see it and to walk it. Little did I know what was coming. And so we went to our next stop, and as he shared with us what our next stop was, I, it didn't hit me at first where we were going. And then as this beautiful sunny day, we were walking down this little slope to this house. It was, they called it a house, but it looked more like a church. It was the house of Caiaphas. Caiaphas, if you don't remember from the story, is the lead priest, the high priest. He is the one who conspires against Jesus. He is the one who's working the angles, not only in Jesus' arrest, but as the crowd shouts, crucify him. It's Caiaphas who works out the arrangement with Judas. And while Pilate is often seen the villain as the villain of the story, and perhaps rightly so, I think Caiaphas gets off a little too easy, unfortunately. And so, much like many of the places in Israel and in Jerusalem, they have built churches or, or sacred buildings over these places where these things have happened, where these historical things of the scripture have happened. And because of the way it's worked as, as, the, as the city has been conquered and destroyed and built up upon, a lot of the, the things that we know of the story of Scripture end up being, in a lot of ways, underground. And so we went into this building. And the first thing we saw, and I brought a picture tonight, is, is a hole in the floor. We were on the top floor of the house, and there was this hole in the floor. And, and, and the tour guide explained that, that when Jesus was taken by the high priest and his men, his army, he was lowered through this hole into a cell below as he awaited the verdict of the high priest as he awaited his going to Pilate. And he mentioned rather quickly that there are steps and we can go down there and be in this place. And in that moment, there was just, I don't know if it was my anxiousness, my excitement, the holiness of this moment, but I had to go then. I wasn't interested in hearing the other things that were going on in the room. I could read the signs myself, I said. So I rushed down the stairs. And as I came down into this, this cave, this cell, it was empty but one person for a couple moments. And I can't really describe to you that experience in words, what I felt in my heart. I can't write it, I, I can't say it, I can't even relive it, perhaps. But all of a sudden, I took myself back to that place, to that moment, to this familiar story that I know all too well. I went to the corner of that cell and I knelt. I didn't know what to do, 
by, if any of you know me, by a miracle of God, I didn't even have anything to say. I just sat. And all I could imagine in that moment was Jesus in that cell, in that spot below the house of Caiaphas. And all of a sudden, knowing that Jesus died out of love for me, that Jesus died out of love for the world, that Jesus suffered this painful and unjust and unnecessary death, this deep suffering, it meant something different than it ever meant before. And so I just sat as it all came rushing to me, as it became very real. That Jesus sat in this spot, simply awaiting death. All his friends had left him. They had all walked away from him. They had all run away. He was despised. He was rejected. He was betrayed. He was alone. And there he sat by himself in that cell, waiting. Waiting the most painful suffering and death that we to this day know. And there Jesus was alone in the darkness in isolation. And it struck me. I'd always been able to imagine to some degree what Jesus went through for me, for us. I had always been able to imagine to some degree, not fully, what Jesus had done, the depth and the pain of this. But what I had never thought about before this moment was the isolation that Jesus endured. If you've ever felt isolated, if you've ever felt alone, if you've ever experienced even a twinge of loneliness, you know the depth of pain that comes with that. And there Jesus sat in that cell and waited, alone and in isolation. For me, though I was very cognizant of Jesus' death and suffering for me in that moment, I was in a whole nother world. People came and went. My group came down and, and, and prayed and read scripture and I heard some of it and they left and then I had to go find them. But that moment, perhaps more than many moments in my life, it changed me. It's always been more than a story for me since the first time I heard it. But as I knelt in that cell where Jesus once was, something was different. I was transformed. And here's the profound truth that came to me in that moment that hasn't gone away, that I've continued to wrestle with for months. That in that moment of isolation, in that moment of deep loneliness, in that painful moment of waiting, surely Jesus knew what was coming. 
I realized something. Something simple, maybe obvious, I don't know. But sometimes it's in the most profound moments when the obvious comes out, it's unique, it's different. Jesus endured isolation so that I wouldn't have to ever. Jesus sat in that cell and endured isolation, awaited alone, suffering and death, so that we would never, never have to be alone. And all of a sudden, the phrase Good Friday made a little more sense to me. All of a sudden, it was more than just another story. And here's the truth for us, brothers and sisters. We, most of us, know the story. Some of us know it so well we can close our eyes and recite it. But does the story transform us? Does the story change us? Because the truth is, whether you're a pastor or not, whether you've been following Jesus for five minutes, five years, or 70 years, the story, no matter how many times we've heard it, whether three times or 3,000, it must transform us over and over again. And so, whether we come to our 70th Good Friday or our 7th Good Friday, how can we look at this story and perhaps be transformed? Because so often in Good Friday we celebrate the great news that Jesus died for our sins and nothing can minimalize that. But there's more. Jesus died that we could have life, life abundant. Jesus died that we could be transformed. Jesus died that we could transform the world. Jesus sat in isolation and died so that we, no matter what season of life we were experiencing, would never, ever have to be alone. And the good news of this Friday where Jesus was alone, is that we are never alone. And while we can't ignore the difficulty and the sadness of Friday, as my friend liked to say, we can rejoice knowing that, yes, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Let us pray. God, we thank you for this day. Though a difficult day for us, not nearly as a difficult day as it was for you and for Jesus. A powerful reminder of how you can take the worst of situation and circumstances and redeem it for good. A powerful reminder of your love in the midst of brokenness. A powerful reminder that your son Jesus experienced all the things we've experienced. And that because of what Jesus was willing to endure, we never have to be alone. God, may we be transformed by this story this night and each day. May you speak into our hearts anew. 
so that the familiar can become holy, so that the story can transform. It's in that precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen. I invite you to please stand.